Uh, a quick announcement um, before we get started. Uh, you guys in the building and online, um, you may know that we have um, some receptacles in our hallway. We're receiving uh, donations, winter donations for children. And so starting next week, if you have a donation, if you have a coat or boots or winter hat or gloves, we'll be receiving those starting when? Next weekend, okay? So just wanted to plug that in there. That's all the uh, announcements I have. And so I'll start preaching now. <clears throat> What's up, everybody? <laughs> it's good to see everybody who's here in the building. And if you're watching with us online, uh, we're so grateful and thankful that you chose to spend a few moments with us here at Central Christian Church this weekend. Hey, we hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving holiday uh, in spite of all of the restrictions and the challenges that we've had gathering together. But everybody, I got to ask you a real question. I need to know how many of y'all in here, you ate way too much this Thanksgiving. Notice my hand went up first. Amen. Yeah, somebody's clapping. I love it. I love it. And hey, listen, uh, I just got to say my wife ought not to be able to cook macaroni and cheese over the holidays. I'm just saying, it is like sin waiting to happen. You feel what I'm saying? Like every time she tells me about a menu that she's preparing, and I know macaroni and cheese is on it, I like start praying right then and there. I'm like, okay, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for this gluttony that I'm about to commit in the next seven days because it is not going to be pretty. Amen. All right. Everybody, a couple of stories um, before we get started. <clears throat> There was a lady uh, in tears at a store. Uh, she had said that she lost um, her, 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 she lost an envelope with her tax refund inside. And so naturally, when I heard the story, I gave her $100 because I had just found $1,600 in the parking lot. You feel me? So I mean, that's what you do. That's the Christian thing to do, right? I'm totally joking. Totally joking. They're like, you're a pastor. And shame on you. Totally joking. If it was real, I'd have gave her $800. Totally joking. No, I'm joking. Totally joking. Totally joking. All right. Got another one for you. <clears throat> a wife took several wrong turns on her way to a brand new restaurant. When she finally gets on the right road, she looks over at her husband and she says, why didn't you tell me that I was lost? The husband said, well, I just thought you knew where you were going. Every time I'm dry driving, you know exactly where you're going. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry, ladies. Hey, I need somebody to say lost. Yeah, uh, I don't know about you, but if you've ever found yourself uh, losing something of value, or if you've found yourself lost, either trying to get to a physical, tangible location, or, or you just found yourself lost in life, that is a terrible, terrible feeling. Anybody know where I'm talking about? Yeah. And, and maybe you're new here to Central. Uh, maybe you're in town visiting family uh, for the holiday weekend, either in the building or you're gathered around the screen online. But listen, if this is your first time or your first time in a long time, you've caught our church right at the end of an amazing series we've been in called Unlimited, living the life you were meant to live. What we've talked about, <clears throat> excuse me, We've talked about the unlimited love 
of our Savior Jesus Christ, while at the same time sharing with you guys about core values that we here at Central Central Christian Church operate by. I won't go through all of the core values, but a few of the core values that I want to highlight that we celebrate here and we live by here at Central Christian Church. Number one is that Jesus is our everything. Around here at Central Christian Church, everything begins and ends with Jesus. All right. The second thing that I want to share is that kids are worth our best effort. And everybody, it doesn't matter to us if you're a normal functioning child or a child with special needs. Every child is special to Jesus. And so every child is worth our best effort, whether uh, we're praying with them, uh, preaching or teaching them or playing with them. Somebody ought to say amen. All right. Another thing that we talked about last week, we talked about excellence honors God and inspires people. And everybody needs you to understand, we learned last week, it's not about being perfect. Now, religion wants to have you be perfect. You know, you got to look the part, act the part, walk the part, talk the part, talk the part, right? But this isn't about being excellence, but it's about loving Jesus. I mean, not about being perfect, but loving Jesus, everybody, is all about excellence, right? And as Colossians 3.23 says, that if we have the attitude of whatever we do, Work at it with your whole heart as working for the Lord. In other words, everybody, if our attitude and our heartbeat is about doing what we do with excellence, with everything that we have, the Bible says that God is honored and people are inspired. So the last thing that I want to talk about, what I want to talk about with us today is another core value and an important core value we have here at Central Christian. And that is here at Central Christian Church, everybody, lost people matter most. Somebody say the lost. Yeah. Uh, In this case, everybody, the lost refers to those who are far from God, those who are living separately in separate lives uh, from where Jesus called, created, and ordained for us to live. And I just want to say, everybody, that these people, these folks matter a great deal to Jesus. And if they matter a great deal to Jesus, then they ought to matter a great deal to those of us who say we're followers of Jesus. See, if I was in church, I'd have got an amen right there. Yeah, yeah. And so everybody, to further dissect this very important biblical core value, I want to invite you to go with me to Luke chapter 15, where we have an opportunity to see in the scriptures why this is so important to Jesus. Everybody, in Luke chapter 15, uh, we're told uh, that tax collectors and sinners have been gathering to connect with Jesus because they want to hear him teach. They've been listening to his message. But in Luke chapter 15, verse 2, the Bible says that the Pharisees and the religious scholars were not pleased, not pleased at all. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. The Pharisees and the tax collectors, these, 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 excuse me, the Pharisees and the, and the teachers, uh, they were bothered uh, that Jesus was interacting and fellowshipping with those who they deemed unworthy and, and people that need to be avoided. And so, of course, Jesus, uh, he did what he did best when he heard this and sensed uh, this tension. He told some stories. And in uh, Luke uh, chapter 15 verse 4, I don't have a slide for this, um, but I'm going to tell you the story like Jesus told it. He started talking about a a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. And when the shepherd lost one sheep, 
the shepherd left the 99 to go out and seek the one sheep. And when he found it, he brought it back. And the Bible says that he went on to talk about a woman who had 10 precious coins and had lost one coin in the house. And so what did the lady do? She cut on the lights. She swept the house. She dusted until she found that one precious coin. And then Jesus says that the shepherd celebrated when he brought back the lost sheep. And the woman celebrated when she found her lost coin. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, verse 7, uh, that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Somebody say repents. Everybody, that word repents literally means that you're turning back toward God. He said there will be more rejoicing in heaven when one sinner who repents than over a bunch of folk who are righteous and feel like they don't need to repent. Everybody, uh, the Bible basically says heaven has a party. When sinners come home, there's actually a celebration over one who is lost that comes back to the fold. Now, having stated these two illustrations, now Jesus shares the coup de grace, the final of the three stories, and one of the most famous passages in the Bible. Uh, it's the parable of the prodigal or lost son. Right? But before we go back to the story, I think it's important that we understand, everybody, the depth of the meaning of this word lost. You see, uh, when Jesus is referring to this word lost, he's not referring to something that's just simply misplaced or on a different path. No, Jesus is very clear, everybody, and I need y'all to get this. When he says that the sheep and the coin uh, and the son is lost, somebody say lost, that word lost in the Greek is the apolemi. Is the apolemi that literally that word literally means that I am perishing or pending death is certain. This is a big boy word, all right. And I wonder if anybody uh, has ever seen a person, or maybe you were that person one time before in your life, uh, where your life was heading in a direction and it was heading in an absolute wrong direction. Right. Or maybe you or some people, you know, were hooked up with some people that were moving around or doing some things. And maybe you said to a person or maybe this was said to you uh, that, look, you keep moving in this direction and it's going to cost you your life. Anybody ever know what I'm anybody been there? Know what I'm talking about. Right. And so this is exactly everybody what Jesus is coming from when he was sharing about these three stories. And so here we are at the final story. And in Luke chapter 15, verse 12, uh, we find that a man has two sons and a younger son shows up and says to his father, he says in Luke chapter 15, verse 12, he says, I want my share of your estate now before you die. And so the father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. Y'all see this? The younger son shows up to the father one day and says, look, I want my share of your inheritance before you die, and I want it now. I want out of this house, right? Now, this may not seem initially like a big deal to you and I, but it was a big deal back in the, back in the day. Because, see, uh, back in the Jewish world, you only sought your inheritance uh, when the father was about to die. And, and, and according to this story, we can see that the father was alive and well and healthy, right? And so the son showing up and saying to his father, I want my inheritance and I want it now, is basically the son saying to the father, I wish you were dead. It's pretty intense, right? And it got me to thinking, why and what would possess a person? A son, a daughter, a, a, a child to, 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 
to make such a direct, disrespectful, and derogatory statement to one who all of their life has provided, produced, and protected them. And as I meditated on that, and as I thought about it, I felt like I heard the Lord say, you know what motivated a person to do that, Ray? Rebellion. Somebody say rebellion. For my note takers, that word rebellion, everybody, uh, it's a simple Webster's Dictionary uh, definition. Rebellion is the action or process of resisting authority, resisting control, or resisting convention. Everybody, I need you to understand something about this son. I need you to understand, everybody, that this young son grew up in a really good situation. I mean, his father was wealthy, uh, had servants, had land, had livestock. And if I can interpret this in the Chi-Town version of the Bible, can I do this in the Chi-Town version of the Bible? Basically, the Bible is saying that this father was rolling. You feel me? This father, y'all, he was balling out of control. He was balling, right? In other words, everybody, this son may as well have grown up in a palace. But here's the deal. We can also glean from this story that this father was a great man of discipline and, 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 un, of, a, and, un, and of unwavering principles. And he raised his sons to be exactly like him and to follow suit. In other words, everybody, I need you to know this father, he didn't allow his sons to do whatever they wanted to do just because they wanted to do it and just because they had the means. This father, he didn't allow his sons to speak to people or treat them disrespectfully just because other people may have been beneath their station or their status. Uh, Let me say it another way. This this father, he didn't allow his sons to eat hot Cheetos and, and eat McDonald's every other day. Young people, I'm coming for you. Yeah, he, he, he didn't allow uh, his sons to lay up in their rooms on YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok, Netflix, on the game all day and all night, especially when it was time to go to church. No, his father, their father was like, uh, I don't care how late you was up, boo-boo. You got 15 minutes to get your booty in the bathtub, and then we about to head to church. You understand? You need to understand, this father, everybody, he didn't allow his boys to stay out all kind of times of the night and sleep in half the day just because they had servants and workers who worked their land and provided for their meals. Now, these boys, everybody, were still expected to get up early, still expected to work hard, still expected to contribute around the estate, to be respectful and be responsible in the community. And can I tell y'all something? See, when you have rules and standards that you're expected to live by, but it's disconnected from relationship, it will always lead to rebellion. Did y'all hear what I just said? I'm going to say it again. Rules disconnected from relationship will always lead to rebellion. And watch this, y'all. Even in a palace, a palace can feel like a prison when there is no relational presence. Now, I want to make this very clear. The disconnect of the relationship had nothing to do with the father. It was everything to do with the son and how his mindset was. This young son, y'all, had had enough. He had had enough. He was done with all the rules. He was done with being held to a higher level of responsibility and accountability. Clearly, this young son didn't have enough maturity to see what this father was trying to provide for him, not only uh, physically and financially, but also mentally, emotionally, spiritually. What this good, awesome father 
was trying to teach and provide uh, for his son uh, to instill and develop in both of them. But see, this young son, he had had enough. He couldn't see it. Watch this. Because he just had to have what he wanted now. This son had uh, to live the way he wanted to live now. He had to do what all his other friends were doing. He had to run out in the streets and have what all his other friends were having right now. And everybody, in a rebellious, disrespectful, direct, and derogatory display, this younger son demands his share of the estate. When, y'all, right now. And so, reluctantly, the father relents. And in verse 13, the Bible says uh, that a few days later, this young son packed all his belongings and moved uh, to a distant land. And there, guess what he did, y'all? Wasted all his money. Doing what? Turning up. See it? See it? Wasted all his money in wild living. And so look at verse 14. It says, about this time, his money ran out and a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. This is crazy. Y'all see this? This young son was messing up all the stuff that he could control and then some stuff that he didn't count on, some stuff that he couldn't control started happening. Anybody ever been in that space? Right? It's crazy. So the Bible says, not only did he run out of all money, but after he loses everything, a famine sweeps across the whole land. Somebody say famine. For my note takers, that word famine literally means extreme scarcity of food, a shortage, extreme hunger or starvation. And I don't know if anybody can relate to recently been in a situation uh, where income is, a, is an issue, income has been cut off. Right, which affects your ability uh, to purchase food, your, pur- your ability to pay bills, your ability to live a quality of life. One or two people can relate to that right now, right? right? Yeah. And so everybody, things don't look good for this young man, but everybody, can I tell you, it goes from bad to worse to awful for this young man. Look at verse 15. It says, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the field to feed pigs. This young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. It just went from worse to awful. Okay, so, so, so first, the boy done run out of money. He done run out of stuff. So now he's basically hired himself out as a day worker to feed pigs. You understand? This is a Jewish boy feeding pigs, right? This is as worse as you get. For Jewish people, because you got to understand in the Jewish culture, pigs and pork was deemed unclean. So this was absolutely awful for him. It's great for you and I, but it was awful for him. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Bacon? Oh, Jesus. Pork chops? Oh, my God. Brats and ribs? Oh, Jesus created that just for me. You understand? But for our Jewish brothers and sisters, this was a problem. This is absolutely terrible. This is literally him hitting rock bottom. I mean, look, he's broke, busted, disgusted, destitute. He in a famine. The boy out there feeding pigs. He he probably smell like a pig. I didn't want to eat with the pigs. This is just totally, I mean, his whole world was crumbling at his feet. And everybody, isn't it amazing 
And I wonder if anybody in the room can relate to this or online can testify uh, that Jesus will sometimes allow us to choose our own path just to show how unfulfilling and fleeting our way is and just how lost and broken we are without him. God, I wish I could get an amen right there. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. This young son, everybody, literally goes from the palace to the pigsty before the light switch finally comes on. Look at verse 17. The Bible says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. Ain't nobody got time for that. I'm about to go to the crib. You see it? See it? Yeah. So I'm about to go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. And so what does the son do? He gets up and he goes home and he's got his plan. He knows what he's going to say. He knows how he's going to say it. And he's got it all together. But something fascinating happens, everybody, uh, on his way home. Look at verse 20. The Bible says, and while he was still <clears throat> a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Hey, y'all see this? Daddy at the window looking for his baby boy. Y'all see it? Oh, because you do know uh, that the father um, is always wanting and waiting for some folk to come home. Oh, that was another amen moment. Yeah, yeah. This father runs and embraces his son. And everybody, that so easily can relate to a Christian and a person who, for whatever reason, has wandered away from God in one form or another. And you know and I know you need to come back to Jesus. But can I say this to somebody that's watching in the building or online? Uh, I need you to know this is for everybody, that no matter where we've been, no matter how much we've messed up, no matter how far we may wander away, everybody, we are never out of the sight line of the Savior. Oh, come on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, this is my favorite part of the story. Check this out, and I'm finished. The son starts to roll out his payback plan. Somebody say payback plan. The son starts to roll out his payback plan. Ah, uh, he's going to get back connected with the father. Watch this in verse 21. The Bible says, uh, his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father interrupts him in verse 22. And he says, the father says, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Now, wait a minute. What happened to the plan? Right? The boy had a plan, didn't he? He said, Here, here's the three parts of the plan. Number one, I'm going to say, Daddy, I sinned against heaven and you. Number two, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Number three, bring me on as a hired servant. But isn't this fascinating? Notice this. The father didn't let, this, let him get out that last line. Did you see that? The father never let the son get out that last line. But instead, what does the father say? He said, yo, bring out that robe and put it on this boy because the clothes this boy got on stank. In other words, uh, 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 this, they're filthy and they're stained with sin. And I'm about to clothe this boy in righteousness. Come on. I want you to put a ring on his finger so that this boy would never, ever forget 
who he is and whose he is. I want you to grab a sandals, a pair of sandals, and put them on his feet so that moving forward, this boy knows that every little step he takes from this moment forward, he can be sure and secure that he is standing on a firm foundation because he is right smack dab in the Father's will. Somebody else need to get excited about that beside me. Yeah. Because everybody, that's what a good father does. But here it is. Why would the father do that? Why would the father just not allow the son to state that last statement? Can I tell you? It's because the father already heard what he needed to hear from the son. Let's go back to the scripture. Um, Go back for me uh, to verse 21. Watch this. He said, the son says to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Drop the mic. That's all the father needed to hear. That is all the father needed to hear. But watch this. Because watch this. The father didn't need to hear the son's payback plan of how he was going to earn his way back into the father's good graces. He didn't need to hear how the son was going to pay the father back for living poorly and wasting the father's money and resources. Watch this. Because Jesus isn't interested in us trying to work out a debt that's already been made. He isn't interested in us trying to pay up on a price that's already been paid. And he sent me here to say to somebody in the building that's watching online right now, listen, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far you've fallen away. There isn't anything that you've done, no sin you've committed, no crime that you've participated in that the blood of Jesus can't cover you from. Hey, Jesus paid it all. I said Jesus paid it all. I said Jesus paid it all. Yeah. When he died on the cross for our sin and rose again on the third day with all power in his hand. And everybody, he's not interested in a payback program. All he wants is for us to acknowledge and confess that we are lost and empty without him. Without him, we have nothing and we are nothing. But with him, we have everything that we need. And I love what the father says in Luke 15, 24. We're done after this. The father says, man, we're about to have a party. Because this son of mine was dead, dead in his decisions, dead in his sin and transgression, dead in the direction that his life was headed, and is alive again. He was, he was lost and is found. And my friends, I need you to understand that lost people matter to Jesus. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when just one, just one, turns back to Jesus and repents. And everybody, if lost, Jesus, if lost people matter to Jesus, my friends, they have to matter to us. And so I want to ask you to do something right now. Those of you who uh, take notes, you're online or you're in a building, you physically take notes or maybe you take notes on your phone. I got an assignment for you. I want you to bust out your stuff right now, but, but, but as you bust out your notes, I want you to just bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to think about five to 10 people who you personally know 
that are far from Jesus. And I want you to start creating a mental short list that you can write down. Just five to 10 people, just to start with. Five to 10 people who are far from Jesus and who Jesus would use you to influence to bring them back to him. Maybe in your mind, you got some people, it's a parent or uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a child or it's a sibling or um, it is a, a friend or an extended family member or a neighbor or a coworker, whoever it may be. I want you to think about who that is. I want you to start praying about how God would use you to influence them to come back to him and what that looks like. Maybe for some of y'all, you got a good enough relationship with one of those people on your list where you can just come out and say, bro, you know that this path you own is leading you to death. Come on now, turn this thing around and come on back to Jesus. Or maybe some of you are like, well, I ain't got that good enough of a relationship with this person, but maybe your approach would be, you know what? I'm just going to share my testimony. I'm just going to share what God's been doing in my life and use that to influence that person because they knew me before Jesus. And if they can see what Jesus is doing in my life now, maybe that's enough to get them to start making some different decisions. Or maybe you can just simply pray for folks. Hey, isn't it amazing, how everybody, how people will say that they don't have a belief in God, but very rarely if you offer to pray for, pray for somebody when they're in trouble, will they deny that? Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? Have you ever experienced that? Right? People are always open to be prayed for. Or maybe your job is simply to pray for those people without engaging them. I'm talking about you make the list, and for the next several weeks, your job is to faithfully, every day, lift those folks up before the Lord and see if the power of God doesn't manifest through your prayers. But I want you guys to take this seriously. Make that list. Everybody, lost people matter to Jesus. They have to matter to us. And just like uh, God used somebody uh, to reach out to you, to pull you into the building, to influence you to turn around and make a different decision, would God not now in this moment, when you are in a place of strength and security, use you to spread his love to somebody else? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you and we hope, God, that um, you would use us in this awesome way. Father God, help us to be sensitive to those who are far from you. And God, that they don't necessarily want to be lost, but this is just kind of where they find themselves. Help us, God, uh, to be obedient to how you tell us to engage with these folks, to bring them back to knowing you as Savior and Lord, just like you use somebody to bring us back to you. And we pray you get glory for yourself through your servants. In the name of Jesus, we pray and let all God's people say, amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.